So I'm reading this amazing book named Lean Customer. And one of the common problems that we see over and over and over again is that most entrepreneurs start a business based off of their idea and they're not necessarily solving a problem that the public actually has. There's a completely different mindset that you want to employ when you're thinking about starting a company. There's a really valuable story in the book that I wanted to just outline for you really, really quickly. And that story is about a business that sells milkshakes. So right away, when you're thinking about milkshake sales, you're probably thinking about textures and flavors, maybe ingredients. And that's exactly what this company did. They asked their customers to describe their ideal milkshake. Those recipes and ideas were gathered and they started making those exact recipes that their customers said that they wanted. And guess what? Sales didn't budge at all. They then discovered that 40% of their milkshake sales happened first thing in the morning. Remember, you want to solve a problem with your business. So rather than asking customers to describe their ideal milkshake, they asked customers what job they hired the milkshake to do. That question is important because it shifts the customer's focus from the product itself to why they actually purchased the milkshake in the first place. So after reframing that perspective, the customers would tell stories about having a boring hour-long commute how they weren't hungry yet to order food, but they wanted something that could hold them over until noon. Most of them were in work clothes, so they didn't want to worry about making a mess, and they only had one hand to be able to use to eat whatever it was that they wanted to eat. So think about the difference between each of those goals. Originally, our goal was to sell more milkshakes, and there's only so many ways that you can do that. But when you approach the problem from a problem-solving perspective, just think of how many more opportunities you're able to reduce the pain of your customers who are hungry, bored, one-handed people who don't want to make a mess of their clothes. You can branch out into all kinds of other opportunities like smoothies or any food that can fit in a cup holder and be eaten with one hand. On Invest in Square Feet, we help business owners invest passively into multifamily real estate. My name is Matt Shields, and my mission is to help all of you entrepreneurs out there grow and protect your business the way that the wealthy do. Today, we're going to be talking about PR and the impact that it can have on your business. Obviously, companies like Twitter and people like Elon Musk use PR to generate massive, massive global exposure and establish themselves as household names. If you're trying to build a powerful business, obviously PR plays an important role in building a strong brand image and capturing the world's attention. Today, we have the founders of a trailblazing PR firm from Chicago named Bear Icebox. Together, Bobby Vienna's clients have been featured in some of the largest publications in the world, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, LifeWire, and Crunchbase, just to name a few. They've helped international brands grow and establish their U.S. presence. They've catapulted startups to new heights and even reinvigorated a tired old 
nationwide company to become a thought leader in their industry. If I asked you what you thought would be better, working with a smaller PR firm or a huge PR firm, what would be your answer? You're going to learn that and so much more on today's episode of Invest in Square Feet. I feel like a lot of people may not necessarily know what the difference is between a PR firm and a marketing firm. Can you elaborate on what the differences are there? Including sometimes clients, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they're like listening. I don't want to, the way I describe it is like marketing is sort of a broad category. PR is sort of a function of marketing. Although I'm going to contradict myself, PR can also sort of be the quarterback that drives everything too. So the way that I look at public relations is, and the way we look at it is really anything that you're doing that's going to be public facing, whether it's thing people think about or news releases or articles and in, in publications or you know, video interviews, podcast appearances, that's all public relations. But also a lot of what we do for our clients is strategy around how they're going to message important things, both internally and externally. So that's something that the bigger an organization gets, the more important it is to have that message. When you've got clients that have an employee base of a thousand plus or several thousand employees, like they need to do PR internally. Like they need to figure out how we're going to communicate this change to our employees. We're fortunate that our clients aren't doing this, but as we look ahead to 2023, people thinking about potential hiring freezes or layoffs, like how do you communicate that effectively? Because what you're saying internally can become external very quickly. We saw with that CEO, I think it was from Better, where like he had like the Zoom mass firing. I can't remember if it was Better or not, but like that became a viral story where like, wow, he really handled that poorly. Yeah. I'm actually glad that you brought that up. I'm curious what your perspective is, right? So obviously Elon just took over Twitter and and when he took over, same thing, you saw these mass layoffs and, you know, quite frankly, you know, kind of crass way of laying people yeah. off. Like, you know, here's a picture in your email, you're fired, right? That's like how some people were reporting. And when you think about it, right, from a delivery standpoint, wrong way to do it, right? But from a PR, from a you know, making a wave and making a push out into the market. Like that's the stuff that people are going to be talking about. And again, Elon knows that everybody has a phone or has access to social and all of that. So the more that he can get people talking, the more he's going to be out there. And I guess I'm curious what your perspective is on that. And I know there's a thing, obviously we're going through the whole FTX thing. There's a certainly a, a negative bit of news or a negative way of doing things, but at the same time, you know, is there like, again, that, that sort of, there is no thing as negative publicity or something like that, right? Does that, does that make sense? Outside looking in, it, it is an interesting case study in like different types of communication. And the reality is we don't know the internal numbers, but from what Elon is saying, people are using it more than ever because it's out there. Like people want to see what he's going to do next. It's obviously impacting people's lives and unfortunately people are out of jobs, but you're right from a, a media perspective, he is getting a ton of press for Twitter, way more than we, they would have gotten like, you know, over the last 12 to 18 yeah. months. So as a PR pro, I err on the side of, you know, we're representing clients. So I think we, it's almost like a lawyer where it's like, we can be really aggressive or we can sort of be really conservative in our approach to arguing this case. We have the tools and the toolkits. How aggressive do you want to get, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is like, I'll have that conversation with clients. If we want to be more edgy, we might get more PR. The trade-off is we might get some article headlines that we don't love, but we're getting PR. That's a conversation. Double-edged sword. Yeah, we had yeah. that conversation earlier though, because 
we can get aggressive. I mean, we we're following those types of stories and trends, but it's really the client's comfort level that you've got to be okay with. And I keep going back to like a lawyer where what's your comfort level? How aggressive do you want to get? When we argue this. I think yeah. the reality is like, there's no PR professional that knows exactly how the public is going to respond to something. And in an era of social media, everything's so heightened that you are kind of rolling the dice when you go public with the messaging. But again, the trade-off is nobody knows who you are, right? We have friends who are like, I'm not even on Twitter and I'm reading and, and I'm thinking about getting an account now just to be in the night. And so to, to see that there are people who A, haven't been using it and now this is the only reason why you're interested. It's like, there's gotta be some end game in his head. You know, we don't really know it yet, but there's some sort of end game. I feel like PR is a tool that has helped build amazing wealth for countless companies over the years. But at the same time, it's a tool that is relatively misunderstood, I feel, by a lot of company owners. What would you say is one of the biggest, I guess, misconceptions, I guess, that a lot of people may not necessarily understand about PR? Yeah, I think the wrong way of looking at PR is that you're going to have a definitive ROI on this article or this news release or this piece, this mention. And unfortunately, there's people out there that are looking for that. And I always kind of tell them like, if it's not possible, right? Like it's, you're creating a broader awareness, broader buzz. You know, the things that, you know, I think you should be looking for at an agency is like, do they have experience in your industry? Do they have experience telling stories about companies like yours? Even if they don't have industry experience, I think they have to have some sort of understanding how to create a campaign we do a lot of stuff in like manufacturing and supply chain logistics. We've had clients in that space that helps us. But even if we don't have a client in the direct space, I think it's like, you know, we try to tell prospects like, in our experience, it is something that can be recreated. So we find that understanding a client's voice, working with them to identify that, and then figuring out the channel. So it might be news releases if we have something that's relevant. One thing I wouldn't say is like, and I'm seeing brands do less of this, is like, don't put out a news release every month because you feel like you have to. Otherwise, it just feels like, boy, you cried wolf and there's not really any, anything there. I think one of the things that brands must be doing is, especially like we primarily work in B2B, but like having a LinkedIn voice, not just for the corporation, but for other thought leaders in the uh, brand, doing contributed articles on in publications is super valuable. Doing podcasts like this, I think is super important. You're creating content you can share on LinkedIn and emails that you can share, you know, with prospects. But what you want to get out of an agency is the momentum to create the kind of content across different channels that you can package and, and amplify your voice. And it's the energy that agencies give. So we have some clients worked with for six years. We have some clients we do a, a year-long campaign, six months. But it's that energy that you get from a third party whose sole focus is getting you awareness, whatever channels make the most sense for your brand. Yeah. I do believe that the creative side of what a PR agency can do mm -hmm. for you is important too. I mean, you can hire someone to write a blog for your LinkedIn, your website, but what are you really doing with this information that can be beyond? It has to be long lasting. Evergreen content, you're right, D. I I mean, we do tasks for our clients, but it's really more the consulting part that I think clients find the most value in. It's like, what's it worked over the years? what kind of crazy ideas do we have? Most of our clients are marketing directors, chief marketing officers, communications directors. 
they're busy day to day with like the minutia of being internal at a company. Or if they're CEOs or founders, they're even more busy, yeah. right? So I think you're not hiring somebody to take things off your plate. You're hiring an agency to to try to push you and be be bolder and bigger. Yeah. What are some of the things that people, I guess, should be bringing to the table if they're looking for a PR firm? Are there materials or things that you know they can bring or that they should have you know, when they're looking to hire a PR firm to be able to again communicate their voice, their message, their you know whatever it might be? What are some of those assets, I guess, that they can bring to the table to to help you guys do your jobs better? If that makes sense. Well, we look at PR as a, it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. And what I mean by that is there has to be some back and forth communication. So what clients can bring to the table, whether it's the CMO or communications director, is time to actually give us the information that we need. We can run with it, but a lot of times reporters, they want to hear a voice. Email interviews, those are definitely happening. But sometimes they want to hear it from straight from your mouth. And so to be able to dedicate that sort of time where even if you just give us a recording where we can have your information directly from you about your brand and what your vision is and what your goals are and what you do, who you serve, all of those kinds of questions are really important. So I think time is probably the most important thing. If you don't have the time to actually apply yourself or engage with your agency, Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You're not good at that. Time is important. Even before that. Yeah. So making sure you've got dedicated time. But the biggest thing is like giving us all the materials we need, which would include like we have a client that gave us access to their intranet right away. And so we can look through case studies and comb through sales materials and training and everything. Are we using all that stuff? No. Like we're not sharing that with media, but we, we do a crash course and who they are, what they do. So from there, then we can have interesting ideas because we already know the foundation of who they are, what they're trying to accomplish. Sometimes, especially with clients who've never worked with an agency, it's like they feel like if they tell us something, we're going to like go to a journalist right away and share all their secrets, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just the opposite. We want to know all this stuff. You know, we're your counsel, like tell us everything. And then we will use our discretion, work with you to figure out what we want to share. But yeah, the more we know, the better. And so that, that also includes time putting those things together. And the clients that don't work out, and we've had this over the years where it's like, can you guys just, you know, just draft something? Well, we can, but if we draft everything, it's going to sound like a PR agency wrote it. You know, like we, we need to tell yeah. it needs to sound like there, a, there's a human yeah. element, you know, the public relations part yeah. of what we do. I'll also throw in there that, that sometimes going through the information and, you know, you're digging, you're researching, you're gathering it all. You might even discover pain points mm-hmm. that organizations didn't know they had, mm-hmm. you know, where your material actually isn't getting the message across because what you're saying to me right here mm. is different than what you're putting on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, interesting. And so going through that information and and again, the time to talk through these things, you could actually learn a lot about what clients are missing out on. You say that one word or, you know, you evoke that one emotion and all of a sudden people get it. What I found is cross departments, like bigger companies, well, we say it this way, we say it that way. There's like no synergy or across messaging. And so to Deanna's point, that might not seem like a big deal, but if it's like playing a game of telephone, if it's too dispersed across and, and not accurate, like it's, if you have a challenge internally, externally, your message is probably not getting conveyed the right way either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really interesting. I never really even considered 
how powerful that can be to just get everyone, you know, sort of aligned and, and all speaking, you know, that, that same direction. So looking at some of your past clients and past relationships that you've helped grow, does anything come to mind when we talk about challenges or things that people, companies were trying to overcome, whether that might've been miscommunication or problems either internally or externally? I'm trying to hone in and get people to think of what types of problems have been solved using PR that maybe they might not have necessarily thought of before in the past. I think one company comes to mind. We worked with them. We remained close to their former president, but there was a big franchise. There was an acquisition. They basically were bought out a year and a half ago. They had about a 35-year franchise business. But when they came to us, one of my first full-time clients in 2017, and really what she said is we had done some PR over the years, but really the last 10 years have done kind of nothing. So I thought it was an interesting challenge because there was like, everything was kind of like stale, what was out there. They needed a refresh and they chose to work with me because like, you know, she's like, we're going to get the attention from a small firm that we wouldn't get at a bigger firm. So for them, our challenge was to get immediate exposure for her as a thought leader and to also continue to generate buzz for these new franchises they were selling. Ultimately, not to say like this, it was because of our campaign solely, but like over a three-year period, like with a lot of buzz and energy, they got attraction of from a, a large in, investor and were acquired, right? And so that's the kind of example of like getting word out there when you're a brand looking to be acquired, let's say, obviously those companies are doing their due diligence, checking you, your financials, but there's also like an emotional element. Like if this brand is out there in the public sphere, I'm seeing articles about them. I'm seeing them in the New York Times, the Washington Post, we're in those out all. It's like that can help when you're packaging your brand to something that really has value beyond just the the PL sheets. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I would say over the last probably year and a half, we've seen quite a few of our clients go through acquisitions, which is really interesting. For me, someone who's bittersweet because sometimes well <laughs> sometimes they you know, they get acquired and they're like, yeah. oh, out. But you know. We still feel, again, building up on these stories and really building up the person. People trust people. People mm -hmm. buy from people. Mm -hmm. And so when you can be not just a thought leader, I mean, that's a lot of what we do, but it's almost like, I don't know, I, I think of like your insurance guy. Okay, we know him on a first name basis. I can picture what he looks like because there's there's a person. You're not just going with, whoever is the top one, like you, you connect with the person. And so, yeah, I think what we do a lot of, a lot of calls and a lot of conversations with our clients, it pays off when the person comes through mm -hmm. in all of this messaging. Mm -hmm. You know, Bob's a, a great writer. I sit next to him sometimes and I'm like, you just put that out in like two <laughs> seconds. Like, how did, how'd you do it? But writing is one thing, but you can't develop a whole personality. Like you, you have to, build that up over time. And so I think the value of what we do and what we've seen with many of our clients is that that personality comes out and that's where people are finding the, the strongest connection. As you're defining it personality, it could also be, you know, a combination of everything, you know, for a company. So that company is creating that personality, if you will, that feeling you you can kind of know or expect what you're going to 
feel and get when you interact with that company. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the biggest compliment we get is we've got a couple of clients where like our team member, they, they'll just be like, you know, they'll forward something over and like, oh, you know, our agency can write something, right? So they realize that we understand their personality, their identity. And sometimes we have to be like, is this really in scope? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think the point is like the company has a personality and a brand. The best one that I see out there, one of the better ones is like on Twitter, going back to Twitter is like, this is like an iconic example of like Wendy's Twitter brand is just great, right? It's a personality. It's funny. It's edgy. And I think a lot of brands are trying to try to like recreate Wendy's on Twitter. It's just, you can't really, you know, yeah. can't do that. You got to have your own personality. But I think that you're spot on. Brands have identities too and personalities back. Yeah. At what stage should someone start thinking about reaching out to a PR firm? Again, like when's too early? When obviously, you know, you, you said that someone hadn't really done any PR in the last 10 years. When is the right time, I guess, to be able to reach out? Like, and again, you even mentioned, like, don't feel like you have to put out news you know, every day. Like, is there any examples of like, these are the types of things that you should be going through or that you should be experiencing or trying to communicate? You know, those would be the right types of things to do a press release or hire a PR firm to be able to communicate those types of things. Yeah. The f- first thing that comes to mind, probably because we're working with a handful of brands in the space, but like when you've got private equity money and you're looking to grow quickly and maybe you're looking to acquire brands, it's great to have a PR agency because you're, you know you're going to have some news that's just like hard hitting news that's coming up. That's a great example. I think also sort of on the flip side, if you're like a startup who's looking for more VC money or maybe you're in series B and you're know, looking to expand, another great reason to, to get PR awareness. But really, I say in terms of stage, you got to have product to market. I think the times where it doesn't work is and over the years we've taken clients like this and we kind of realized trial and error, right? It's like, if you don't have a product ready for the marketplace, there's only so much we can share with media. It's like not a story there. Mm-hmm. You can only say it's coming only so, so many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think because media wants to see what kind of customer base you have, what kind of revenue do you have? What kind of, you know, how many employees do you have? I think there's a bit of excitement with mm-hmm you know, brains that are just starting mm-hmm. and they think PR is going to really get us there. And the missing link in that situation is a reporter is going to say, hey, can I test the product? Yeah. Can I see your website? And if it's not ready, they're moving on to the next story. Yeah. Uh, and or, then this- Or giving a bad review, right? Bad reviews. Yeah. But that's probably another reason why you might want PR. You see, <laughs> you know, if, if there is something negative out there, you yeah. know, rather you made a mistake and- saying something or there's the situation last year of the, the CEO who apparently made her staff work at the factory during the hurricane. Oh, yeah. And that was a situation where I immediately was like, there's got to be more to the story. You know, I can't believe a, a person would say, nope, you have to come to work during these dangerous conditions. And the more I read, I was like, oh, that facility was actually safer than some of their homes. So there's a way where... That story just got the wrong message about that got out, I think, in my opinion. Well, and perhaps there wasn't a PR council kind of helping. Well, I think, that yeah. Account. So there, there's situations where, yeah, you might want someone to come in and help actually explain what happened. Like, tell your your story about a situation or I don't want to say clean up messes because, you know, if you made a mess, you, sometimes you do have to own it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, startup brands, that's a little bit more difficult. I would say if you're starting a brand, and you, you're really excited. There are definitely some things you need before PR. Now, one thing I would say 
if you're an established company starting a new division or a new product launch, then it makes sense to have somebody on. You've already got revenue looking to expand an industry. We also have clients bring us on if they're looking to expand in a particular vertical. So one of our clients is really making a push in warehouse automation and we we have experience in that field. So like they're engaging with us to really sort of expand in 2023 beyond what they've been doing. So yeah, I think that, hopefully that answers your question, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and Deanna, you kind of touched on this too, I guess the intended outcome of... PR is to essentially get other people interested in whatever you're doing, you other reporters or other bloggers or what, whatever it might be, so that they start reaching out and, and asking you for more. So they kind of just spiders out. Is that basically correct? Yeah. One of the reasons that people would want PR is to get the exposure. And exposure in, in most cases can lead to web traffic, sales, acquisition. In, in some cases, the CEO really wants to be the expert mm-hmm. at this thing. Sales and everything will follow, but I want to be the person you think of when you think of automation or, you know, whatever their industry is. So that's that's also something that, that folks look for. Yeah, there's a bit of a, maybe a healthy ego sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, think, I think you're spot on, Dean. Yeah. All right, so we learned exactly how important it is to decide if you want to work with a small PR firm or a very large PR firm. Your experiences are going to be completely different depending on your size of company. If you're interested in reaching out to Bob or Deanna, they can be reached at bearicebox.com. So that's B-E-A-R icebox.com. And both of them are available on LinkedIn as well. And that's Bob or Deanna Sproul, S-P-O-E-R-L. We also have one more amazing piece of information from Bob and Deanna, and you can only get that on our newsletter. So make sure to head over to Invest in Square Feet and subscribe to that newsletter so you don't miss a step there. And of course, Subscribe to Invest in Square Feet on whatever podcast platform it is that you use. 